Welcome to the Revolution 22 podcast. My name is Sarah Fine, and I'm the director over here at Rev 22 Kids. We encourage you to gather up the whole crew as you are about to listen to a message from, you guessed it, one of our family services. We pray that this message is a blessing to you. through our passage for the morning, so if you would stand um, with me, we stand in reverence and deference to God as we hear from him through his word. It's an extended passage, so bear with me. At that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? The Jews answered him, It is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are God's? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him who the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said I am the son of God. If I am not doing the works of my father, then you do not believe me. Then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together um, to hear your word preached and to worship you and to encourage one another. Lord, as we set aside a few minutes, we ask that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to understand your word, to rejoice in the good news that comes from your word here in John 10 this morning. Lord, we're so thankful that Jesus is the good shepherd. Lord, help us to see that and rejoice in it in our time. We love you and thank you. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. You may be seated. So... I'm going to introduce myself here in a second. Um, a couple of the young ladies are going to hand out a little token to the children. And um, as, as the ladies are giving them to you guys, um, here's what I want you to do. I want you to hold it in your hand. Whatever, whatever you're doing this morning, I want you just to have it as part. It should be pretty simple to hold in your hand. If you're taking notes, if you're coloring, if you're playing, if you're eating a snack, whatever you're doing, that's fine. But just keep holding this in your hand. We'll talk about it later in the service. 
Uh, my name is Aaron Kircher. I came over with uh, uh, from the City Church uh, side at the merger earlier this year, um, and it's been a joy to be a part of Rev. I'm thankful for the opportunity to to serve the Angelos family in their um, sabbatical. Friend sabbatical right now. A um, couple more weeks, and then we will have him back, hopefully refreshed. I think he's heading to Alaska um, later this week for fishing and and some good outdoor fun. So I'm very happy for him for that. I have five children. I'm husband to Dana Kircher. Maybe you've heard of her. And then also Evelyn, Lucas, Robert, Zane, and Allie. Um, my children scattered throughout the uh, sanctuary here in different places. Um, this is my first family service at Rev, so I'm experiencing uh, these things in real time, um, as many of you are that are visiting this morning or, or new here. I would say also as well, um, since part of this is to give a break to those that take care of the, the child care and those type of things during the week, if that is something you typically do and you're in here this morning, thank you very much for, for serving the body that way. It is a great blessing, giving parents a, a break, and also the very important thing of investing in the, in the, uh, the hearts and the lives of those young children, <clears throat> something I'm hoping to do a little bit of this morning. All right, let's jump into our passage. Um, Got to set up the context first. So we're told it's the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and we're told it's wintertime, um, and we're told Jesus is walking in this place called um, the Colonnade of Solomon. Now, I don't think it's very often we hear that it's wintertime in the Bible. Probably it's their rainy season is the way to think about that. But if we move back to last week, this is a continuation. This is a passage about the Good Shepherd. Last week was about the Good Shepherd, but Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan pointed out last week that the early part of chapter 10 is a continuation from chapter 9. Chapter 9 being the, the miracle uh, of the blind man. Um, Jesus made mud, put it on his eyes, sent him to go wash, and he could see. And they tried to trap Jesus throughout that, like we're going to see this morning. But John 10, the early part of John 10, is a continuation of that. So last week's sermon, last week's passage, the things Jesus said about being the good shepherd were a continuation of that event in chapter 9. So this is the first sermon last week that the blind man was getting to see Jesus preach as well as hear. And so he had new eyes while that was going on. But we're told this is the, 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 the wintertime, the rainy season there. So that was the Festival of Booths, Festival of Tabernacles, around the seventh month. This is the Feast of Dedication. So we know this as Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights that we see the Jewish community celebrate every year around Christmas time, right? So we are in a different season. We've moved on past that, but um, the themes are the same between last week and this week, and I'll try to try to uh, reintroduce them to us since many of us didn't hear it last week. Um, and we're we're in the colony of Solomon. We're we're near the temple. We're probably it's, it might be a covered area, a place where there's some fires going, a place where people would gather to hear different teachers speak, whoever their favorite teacher might be, and learn from. So that's sort of the, the context, the setting of where we're at. Now, here's the controversy. Um, next says, the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So now there's two ways to hear this. You can hear it. These are the crowds that are around Jesus looking to hear from him and learn. Maybe they're looking to get a free meal from him. That's happened before. Um, but that's not the attitude of what's happened. It says they encircled him. So this is a very aggressive group of people that are coming around him. And they're wanting to hear 
plainly him say he is the Son of God. He and the God are one because they're looking to trap him, they're looking to take him to trial, and they're looking to execute him. So that's the sort of the attitude that's behind what's going on. And they're going to they're gonna get their answers towards the end of the passage, and we'll, we'll revisit that then. Onto the body, onto the content of the passage. Jesus says in his first answer to them, tell us plainly, he says, the works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So I love the sheep-shepherd distinction in Scripture. Um, I think it, it saturates the text of Scripture. I think after, I know that after God's rescue plan, Christ coming into the world, saving us, redeeming us, that permeates every passage in Scripture. This idea, the story of sheep and shepherds, is the next most prevalent story in Scripture. And I think because we live in our modern world, removed from the imagery of um, sheep and scripture, uh, sheep and shepherds, we don't understand those type of things all that time. We miss so much of the imagery. So um, the, uh, to understand the significance of us needing a shepherd, um, we need to make sure we really understand what it is to be a sheep. So sheep are not smart animals. They're one of the, the dumbest of the barnyard animals. Um, they're very unkind to one another. They're very fearful. They're very skitterish, and they need a shepherd. So I'm suggesting that the imagery in Scripture of sheep and shepherd has us as sheep. That's what I'm driving at. We see that in the passage. Jesus talks about his sheep. Everything Scripture says and the reality of sheep tells a story about us. So when we have these pictures in the Bible, we remember these are shadows. They're always lesser images and stories than the real thing. We are the more real thing. So two things about sheep that we need to remember. I think the first one is that sheep were created to be cared for by a shepherd. Their life is tied to humanity back at the very beginning in creation in Genesis. In Genesis 6, Abel, we're told, was a keeper of sheep. So he was specifically a shepherd, not any sort of, of animal. They cannot survive without a human presence in their lives. And second, I've already said this, but I want to say it again. I think sheep were created exactly as they are to tell the story of us. And particularly to help us understand ourselves and how kind God is towards us and how great our need is for a shepherd. So here's a, a list of facts about sheep that help capture the ability of sheep to be wild. All right? They're, they're, sheep are created to live in concert with humans, with shepherds. So sheep have no defensive or offensive capabilities. They can't protect themselves. They're soft, fluffy, and delicious. That's all they, they have. Wolves and coyotes, they're a delicious meal for that. To birds of prey, if you go on KTVB from June 4th of this year, they have an a article, a story about a farmer, a rancher in Murtaugh, a, a shepherd, sheep farmer in Murtaugh, Idaho, who lost, between April and June, lost 54 of his sheep to two bald eagles that um, lived on his property. Um, and he, he'd known about them for 20 years, lived there, never had a problem until this year. They think it might have had something to do with the, the drought, but two Bald eagles killed 54 of his sheep over the course of two months. So they have no ability to care for themselves. There's a, there's a burrowing bug um, that, that 
that sheep get sometimes. They need a shepherd to anoint them with oil, right, with a tincture that keeps the bug away. And this bug will drill into their nose and eventually up into their brain, and it drives them crazy. And to get it out, they'll just drive their head into a post if they don't have someone to care for them until they just fall over bloodied from beating their head into a post trying to um, take care of that. They need a shepherd to care for them. We saw in Psalm 23, the term is cast down. When a sheep is cast down, they roll over on their back with their feet up in the air. So sometimes another sheep will come alongside because they're kind of unkind and hit them and roll them over. And then the sheep, you know, because they're kind of fluffy, you've been in a mattress and it's been kind of hard to roll out of sometimes. That's the same thing. They're carrying their mattress all the time. They're there on their feet. They need someone to put them back on their feet and, and massage and get the blood going again. Otherwise, in a very short time, they'll either be killed by a predator or they'll die um, just because they can't right themselves. Um, they need to be shorn periodically. Their, their, their wool can get so big and heavy that it just flips them over automatically if there's not a shepherd to take care of them. They'll eat food dangerous to their system that will potentially lead to death. That's why Psalm says, you go before me and prepare a table for me. The shepherd goes and prepares the pasture to make sure there's nothing bad for the sheep. They avoid drinking running water. They're, they're such skitterish animals that even a stream, which we would know is a clean, clear stream, running is too much for them. They're, they're so scared they will not approach it. So they're prone to go find still water that's stagnant and full of parasites, things that'll make them sick and drink out of it. They need a shepherd to redirect them. If not watched, they'll destroy their food supply by tearing up and eating the roots. That's what they do. So in Idaho, maybe you've heard us refer to them as range maggots because when they're left too long in one area, they just decimate uh, the area. They need a shepherd to move them from pasture to pasture to make sure the land is, is able to feed them again in a couple of months. So, and they're so skittish and scared that a jackrabbit running by can cause them to scatter. And in that panic, maybe run off a cliff or just be so scattered and need to be gathered again because it's in that group setting with a shepherd that they're protected. All right? So there's just a few, a few things about being a shepherd. I'll also say it's interesting when you look at the Old Testament, you look at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and you look at the two most prominent Old Testament characters, Moses and David. God prepared both of them for leading his people by having them spend time being shepherds. So they needed to know how to deal with, Moses called them a stiff-necked, stubborn people. Um, and so shepherds are prepared to work tenderly um, with those who often have complete disregard for themselves. Um, so fast forward to Christ's church today, and there's men that we know as pastors that are called to shepherd the flock of God. And that term pastor is Latin for shepherd. So we have shepherds, and those shepherds answer to the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, um, in their care for his sheep. All right? So there's some things to remember that sheep were created from the beginning to tell the story of us. And we learn about that as we see our need and we hear about how sheep operate, that we need a shepherd in our lives to help us. And we have one here. Okay, so back to John 10 and seeing how Jesus is a very good shepherd, because that's what I want us to see in this today. The question has been asked, tell us plainly if you are the Christ. And here's the first part of the response. I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not 
a part of my sheep. You are not among my sheep. So those of us that have been going through the book of John, we've seen Christ clearly. We've heard him clearly. We can see him doing miracles. We see him as the son of God. We see him as the Christ. Um, and there's those around him that see him clearly. But there's those that are asking these questions that, that don't see it as clearly. And it's clear and plain. And Jesus tells then his hearers why. And this is the important part. Notice the order of what he says. You do not believe because you are not among my sheep. He doesn't say you're not among my sheep because you do not believe. That puts belief before being a sheep. That puts the way into being a sheep being belief. So those of you that are being baptized today hear this particularly. Evidence of being a sheep is that we believe and we hear his, vo his voice. Believing is not what makes us a sheep. Believing is evidence that we are his sheep. The power to believe, the ability to believe, comes from the good shepherd to his sheep. Now, if you want to understand this better, we've got a lot to cover this morning. Uh, Bren has already um, really approached this subject in John 6, and you can go back to August 11th of this year and, and find that sermon on YouTube or on podcast. And he does a great job of a deeper dive into it. But for now, for our sermon this morning, what we see Scripture telling us is those that are among his sheep believe, and those that are not among his sheep do not believe. So next, the good shepherd says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So there's two marks on the good shepherd's sheep. There's an ear mark and a foot mark or a hoof mark. Now, these marks are um, identifying features, a way in which a shepherd can say, that is my sheep. So if we are the good shepherds, he has marked us in a way. The way we're being told it's marked is by hearing his voice. Now, modern farming practices, we use these things in the ears. Um, these are from some cows or steers that we had on our, our little family farm, and these get put in the ears like this. They look like really nice earrings, and, um, and they have some sort of marker or code that we write down in a book, and then we can track births, uh, medicine, anything particular that we want to track about that particular sheep, um, or, or sorry, cow. These are for cows. We don't have uh, sheep, but um, this is the way that they use with sheep, pigs, whatever, use these type of things. Historically, the way it was done, though, is by cutting in the ear. And so in this day, Jesus' hearers would have heard this earmark. And so maybe a shepherd would put a V on the left side of the top of the ear over here if it was a U, a female sheep. And maybe there'd be one, a V on the top of this one if it was a ram. And then maybe there'd be some notches right here on the back of the ewes to indicate how many lambs she's given birth to. Um, there might be a whole intricate pattern of things that this particular shepherd knows about his sheep. And then when Pastor Jonathan talked last week about this big pen um, in the beginning of chapter 10 that the sheep are housed in overnight and the shepherd comes and he calls out his sheep. If another shepherd says, that's my sheep, it could be a discussion. He could say, no, look at these are my sheep and see the pattern in the ears is the same. And so that's what Jesus saying, these sheep, my sheep carry my marks in their ears. And the mark is, they know my voice. That's the earmark. So let's make sure we understand what it is to hear the good shepherd's voice then. What is that? Has anyone in here heard the audible voice of God? Had it reverberate off your eardrums? Have you heard God? No? Anyone? It's 
not a common way for God to communicate with his people. Certainly, in the time we're talking about, those people would have heard the voice of the good shepherd as Jesus spoke to them in the temple. But I'd say the preeminent way that we know and hear the voice of the good shepherd is by his words. And his words are preserved for us right here. This is the ultimate way to hear the voice of the good shepherd. So if you're deaf and your ears, your natural ears do not work, that's okay. If you read the word of God, you'll know the voice of the good shepherd. So there's there's members of many churches. We have Rev's church here, but I know there's many visitors this morning and they're members of other churches. And presumably those families, those parents in those families are at those churches because they most clearly hear the voice of the good shepherd in those pastors and, and the men that they're under there. And if, and if they stop hearing the voice of the good shepherd in those men, they will move along. That's what it is to hear the voice of the good shepherd. There's another way that we hear these things, and that's in Christian fellowship and talking to one another, even in how um, pastors speak or the preacher speaks the word. So I brought up two of my sons here, and we're going to do a little exercise. Lucas is going to say a statement, then I'm going to say a statement, and I'm going to ask you, which one do you hear the voice of the good shepherd in? Children, obey your father's commands and listen to your mother's instructions. Honor your father and your mother. Okay, so that's what Lucas says. I say, children, disregard the instructions of your parents. Run out of the room screaming when they tell you what to do. So which one do you hear the voice of the good shepherd in? Lucas, all right, good, good. Don't do that. That would be sin if you did what I said to do. Okay, this is Robert, and he's going to do another one. God helps those who helps himself. Who help themselves, that's good. God is with those who humble themselves and confess their need for his help. So say yours again, Robert. God helps those who helps themselves. God is with those who humble themselves and confess their need for his help. So this is a little more tough. Which one, which one do you hear the voice of the good shepherd in? In me or in Robert? Aaron. Okay, yep, that's right. God, God doesn't help those. That's not a biblical idea. Sometimes we think it's a biblical idea. That was a confusing one. That's why I wanted to, wanted to use it. Because to know those type of things, we have to know the voice of of the shepherd. The primary way, primary way we know the voice of the good shepherd is by being students of his word. Thank you, sons. So to be a sheep owned by the good shepherd is to have two marks. We've been talking about the earmark, the way in which we are marked and identified and we are known. We know his voice. And the second way is the footmark. It says, my sheep follow me. They follow me. So in what is here is what I've again heard. Sheep are different than like cattle. Cattle you can drive from behind. You've got the cowboy. You can make noise and you can kind of move them forward by fear and they'll, they'll group up and you can move them in the direction for the most part that you want to go. Sheep, if you were to do that too, they would just scatter. It's like we use the phrase herding cats and sheep would do the same thing. Since fear is what their primary driving force is, um, <clears throat> if they get too fearful, they'll scatter. We're not fast enough You've seen the work a sheepdog can do, and that's pretty impressive. A sheepdog, though, motivates the primary element in sheep, which is fear, but that dog's just fast enough to actually keep them grouped up pretty good, and they, they keep together and can move them forward. But to follow, a shepherd then would typically walk and say, come on, come along, and if, and if a sheep got too far out to the edges, he called them by name, he has names for all his sheep, so he'd say, come on, brown nose, come on, get back, get back in there, or speckle face, or I don't know, Sam, I, I don't know what names shepherds have for their sheep, but, um, but, but different names, 
and he would call them back and he would, we would follow, a sheep would follow the shepherd. And so for us to follow the shepherd then is to hear his voice and to do the things that we're called to do. So um, that's what this morning those that are being baptized are doing. They've heard the voice of the good shepherd through the word, through his words here and through the preaching of the word that they're around and they're their footmark is evidence in that they will be baptized, um, doing the things that Jesus, the good shepherd, who loves us very much, has told us to do. All right, I give them eternal life, he says next, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. So this is another very important point that deserves a whole sermon in and of itself. Jesus starts by saying, I give them eternal life. And I'm afraid when we hear that, we think that's something that we possess and that we hold on to. And if we make a mistake, if we get distracted, we lose it or set it aside. I don't want us to hear that we are responsible for it. It's not what the passage says. Our salvation, eternal life, is not our possession to not lose. If it were left to us to persevere in or to preserve in our salvation, we would lose it. Our salvation is not like our car keys or our phone. We have lost our car keys. We have lost our phone. We have misplaced them. We cannot find them. There's nothing we can do about it. Salvation and eternal life is not our possession to lose. The Good Shepherd says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. The Bible teaches us that our certainty of eternal life means that we are a possession of His, not the other way around. We are a possession of His. He is holding us in His hand, and eternal life is His. He's holding that, that eternity. He says we will not be taken from His hand. Then He tells us we were given to Him from His Father, who's greater than him. So he's pointing to something greater, and that's always what Jesus did. He always pointed to the preeminence of his father. That's what he came to do. And then we're told we're also in the possession of God the Father. So that's four of the strongest hands ever known to humanity. There's, there's no metaphor that I can come up with that's stronger than what we're talking about right here. And both, we're told by Jesus, will not let us go. There is no way we will let go. So the question is not whether or not a sheep can lose a shepherd, because that answer is most certainly yes. That's what sheep do. We run away from a shepherd. The good news is that the question is, can the good shepherd lose his sheep? And that answer gloriously is no. He will not let us go. There is nothing that can be done to separate us from our shepherd, because he's been given charge of making sure that we get to eternity with him. All right, so children, stand up. Show me your hands. Oh, some of you put them down. Some of you still have them. Good job. Some of you could have them. But if you put it down, that's okay. Give it enough time, we all would put it down. We all would lose it. But the good news about this is that we are in the possession of Jesus. And so that token, that eternal life, that thing that is so great, you can put your hands down. Good job. Um, that thing that is so great is held by him, and you are held by him and loved by him. You are possessed by him. That's good news. There's hope for that. So when life gets distracting and life gets hard and you run away, we see time and time again the good shepherd coming after his sheep. All right, stretch. 
All right, good. Sit back down. Thank you. All right, the final controversy. This is where we see Jesus begin to answer the question clearly. This is the answers that they're looking for. Jesus says, I and the Father are one. And the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Okay, so now the, some of the kids are going to pass out stones. We're going to practice what stone... No, we're not going to do that. Um, so remember in the beginning that the Jews surrounded Jesus and asked, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And with this declaration from Jesus, I and the Father are one, they get the answer they want. And it's such a clear answer that they don't have to take him to court. They can, yeah, they're in the temple. They, he is blasphemed by their understanding, and they pick up stones to stone him. Jesus calms them momentarily by making an entire defense from Psalm 82 is what he's alluding to about calling them. And I'm not going to go into the whole how he does it, but he simply says, for what good works are you going to are you going to stone me for? What is it that I have done? And even my words, I'm, I'm quoting scripture. I've called you gods in scripture in Psalm 82. How can you then attack me over these words? And you can sort of see them get deflated and, and drop the stones. And he makes the defense that even if you don't like what you hear me saying, look at these words. Don't they testify to the goodness of my father? And then he gets to the end of his statement. And he finishes his defense with this. He says that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So he says again what he said before, which is the thing they wanted. And with that statement, he undoes his entire defense and they move to arrest him, to take him away. It wasn't as clear of a statement as the last one, so they need to take him before the, the rulers so they can make their judgment so then they can execute him, which is what they want to do. They sought to arrest him, but... As God is able to do, he escaped from their hands. Not enough to stone him on the spot this second time. But they want to arrest him. They're looking for him. There's disorder. Finally, we end the passage with this. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. And many came to him. And they said, John did no sign. But everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. So that's what I want to focus on as we close. Many believing in him. And that power to believe, remember, we heard earlier, comes because we are sheep. That's why we have the ability to do it. If we go to the beginning of John, John 1, 11, 13. He, that is Jesus, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name... He gave the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And we go all the way to the other end of John in John 20, 30, 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. As sheep of the good shepherd's flock, if you believe that is a grace that has come to you through faith. And so in that, the, the baptisms we're going to see here in a few minutes are not a declaration of what these young men have done in believing, but they are glorifying God in the work he has done in joining them to, to, to his flock before they had believed. 
and then they are given the ability to believe. He's brought them in by his work, not by the will of man, not by the, the sheer wisdom of, of me sitting beside somebody else who isn't as smart as me. It is all the work of God. Belief comes by being the good shepherd's sheep. The word spoken by Jesus and captured in his word and the actions done are done so that we might believe. Believe that he was who he said he was and that he came into the world to save sinners. He came and lived the life I should have lived, that you should have lived. He should have lived perfectly and he did. And he died the death we deserve to die. He absorbed and exhausted fully his father's wrath. Our punishments poured out on him. He gets our sin and we get his perfect, obedient life. And then we see the good shepherd become the sacrificial lamb in place of his sheep. He willingly lays down his life for the sheep that were given to him by the father. This is why we can have hope when he says that I will not snatch them I will not let them be snatched out of my hand. My father will not let them be snatched out of my hand because he's already done this work. This work is in the past. We're not looking for anything to happen. It is already complete. If you believe you're in Christ, you're in Christ. You are part of the good shepherd's flock, and that is good news. We have a very good shepherd in Jesus Christ. Hope in him with your life. Live before him well. Rejoice when you believe. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. Please visit revolution22.org to find out more information about our church. We remind you to continue to value community. We pray that God's word has drawn you closer to him and that you may continue to love God and love others. Thank you.